0: Welcome to the church family that is lifting lives through living love, inspiring hope, filling with faith, and transforming our world. These recorded messages are made available so that you might have additional opportunities to stay connected with us, and then you might learn and grow in your faith. God bless you as you hear the word today. And now, the message. Today's scripture is from Genesis, chapter 37, verses 14 through 27. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I am looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, The ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judas said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? come let's sell him to the ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him after all he is our brother our own flesh and blood his brothers agreed may the lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word
1: hello everybody it's nice to be here with you this morning to talk about the love between siblings Raise your hand if everything in your family is just perfect. Oh, I'm the only one. Well, my family um, changed drastically when I was in the seventh grade. Um, Around that time, my dad took a huge risk and opened up his own business. A natural dreamer, he started serving families on the south side of Terre Haute with their insurance needs, and he still makes his way to Terre Haute every every day from Carmel to help families um, through floods, fires, totaled cars, and sometimes the death of loved ones as a state farm agent. Two years after my dad started his own business, my mom joined the entrepreneurial spirit in our family and started her own business as a real estate, um, in real estate. Now, my mom told me after last service that she would sell the house and then um, drive them to my dad's office so he could insure it. So... That was pretty smart, I thought. Um, In those early years of their startups, we sometimes would have cereal or peanut butter and jelly for dinner because, you know, they were hustling on commissions, but we all had this spirit of togetherness as we worked together to support their businesses, This was back in the day when there were no car phones, much less there were no cell phones. And so um, our home number was the number listed on my parents' business cards. And my brothers and I were taught the proper way to answer the phone and to take messages since we were serving as their three very adorable secretaries. I was so proud to pass by my parents' offices and know that they were creating something and um, to be able to see their name on the sign. It's not a mystery that my older brother, Kyle, has followed in their footsteps by starting his own business out in Massachusetts. I um, launched a nonprofit. I actually was a sales major at Purdue, and my younger brother spent a lot of time planting churches. We all seem to be a family of dreamers who believe in hard work and hustle and because of this mindset one of my mindset because one of my favorite podcast is called How I Built This with Guy Raz. He interviews the world's best known entrepreneurs to learn how they built their iconic brands. And in each episode, founders reveal their deep, intimate moments of doubt and failure and share insights on their eventual success. So I'm going to share four of some of my favorites with you. The first one, um, most entrepreneurs expect it will take a few years for their business to gain traction, but Tim Leatherman, in the late 1970s, set up shop in his brother-in-law's garage, scavengered some metal from old appliances, and built a tool that he had dreamed up a few years before, a foldable pair of pliers with several other tools tucked into the handles. He worked for years trying to get people to sell it. Eventually, he was able to convince mail-order catalogs to sell the tool, and within the space of a decade, he went from selling one single knife to a million every year. And today, Tim's company is worth over $100 and his last name has become a household brand, The Leatherman. Rick Steves spent the summer after his high school graduation backpacking through Europe on $2 a day. He would sleep on floors, he would sneak in museums, and he lived on a diet of bread and jam. When he came home, he found that people were hungry for tips on how to visit Europe on the cheap. And so he began teaching classes, eventually he started leading many bus tours and hosting a travel show on public television. Despite the challenges of the pandemic, his no-frills approach to travel has persisted in a very powerful brand with 70 guidebooks, an ever popular travel show, and in 2019, an annual revenue of 100 million. He even helped our very own Pastor Dave and his college roommate Chad backpack through Europe twice. I mean, how cute is he really? Showing again that he is a loyalist to Coke. This Coke costs three times the amount of what one beer would, but not Dave. He's grabbing the Coke. Dave um, had to go on such a budget when he was in Europe that right after he got there, he tripped over a fence, split his pants from here to here, and, and he was so poor he couldn't buy another pair, but he could by duct tape, which he used every day on those jeans instead of buying new ones. <laughs> Still just thinking about it. Like, did you change the color of the duct tape, or was it always silver? Silver always. Okay, well, that's good. All right, the next one is Judy Shepard Missit. She wandered in her first dance class when she was two years old, and she hasn't stopped dancing since. In the late 1960s, she was teaching a jazz class in Chicago, and her students, mostly young moms, complained that she was acting too much like a Broadway taskmaster. And so they said to her, we want to get in shape, but we also would like to have a good time. Seeing an opportunity, Judy created Jazzercise, a hybrid of... Aerobics and dance that ushered in a new culture of spandex, synchronized movement, and became one of the first workout programs for women with a mass appeal. With the help of video technology and franchising, Size eventually spread around the world, growing into the one million dollar business it is today. And now her daughters, the CEO, and her granddaughter is training to take it as well. In 2006, Drew Houston got on a bus from Boston and was headed to New York. He planned to use the three hours on the bus ride to get some work done, so he opened up his laptop and he realized that he had left his thumb drive at work. Has that happened to anybody? So Drew decided that he never wanted to have this problem again. And on that best ride, he started writing the code to build a cloud-based file storage and sharing service he called Dropbox. 14 years later, Drew and his co-founder have built Dropbox into a public company worth close to $8 million. But he was glad he left that thumb drive at home. These are just some of the examples of ways that people lived out their dreams and their dreams became something they never could have imagined. Joseph, as we learn, had a dream. He actually had two dreams. And these were dreams that he thought he understood. But like our entrepreneurs, Joseph's dreams would turn out in a way that he and his family could never have imagined. So, what were these two dreams? Well, the first dream was um, Joseph and his brothers, and they were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. When suddenly Joseph's sheaf rose and stood upright, while his brothers' sheaves gathered around him and and bowed down to him. His second dream was even more self-promoting. He told his brothers and his father this time that the sun and moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Joseph had big dreams, but if you compare his dreams to the dreams of our four entrepreneurs, we'll see three major differences. So the first major difference is that Joseph lacked humility. Dale Carnegie, author of the famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, wrote, You are um, more, you, you make more friends in the two months by becoming genuinely interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. I imagine Mr. Carnegie would have shook his head in embarrassment for Joseph. Joseph was strutting around in this fancy coat and sharing his dreams about how he was going to be revered by his brothers, and this is definitely not a way to make friends. Think about the humility all our entrepreneurs displayed. Rick Steves slept on the floor and lived off a diet of bread and jam. He sold his self-published book out of his trunk of his car Tim Leatherman faced rejection after rejection for seven years. He sold one Leatherman for $175. That builds a lot of humility. And Judy Missett had to tailor down her formal dance education into a format that everyday moms could take and enjoy. All of them were humbled before their dream came true. The second major difference was that Joseph had no hustle. Drew Houston was riding a bus, which says something about his financial status. No car. He didn't even take a train. He was on a bus, and he was trying to use every ounce of time available for him to work. When he realized he didn't have a thumb drive, he didn't just fold up the laptop, put his earbuds in, and zone out. No, he wrote code for Dropbox on a bus. Now, that's hustle. Tim Leatherman dreamed up the idea to create a tool and, like I said, waited seven years before he had a single sale. sale. He spent years trying to market his design to uninterested knife and tool companies. I imagine it would have been really easy to give up, but he didn't. That is incredible grip. And now every groomsman in the world has received a Leatherman as a gift. Raise your hand if you have. Yes. Now, Dave gave gave our groomsmen a Leatherman, and he spent the extra money to have the date of our wedding engraved on it, and he wrote the wrong date. Yeah. So back to Joseph, Joseph had no hustle. He had no grit. He was given everything he received was given to him on a silver platter. When his brothers were working, he was the snitch who spied on them and told his parents or told his dad what was going on. And he did all of that while wearing an ornate gown coat that was given to him for simply being born to his father's favorite wife. Do you think that Joseph could have worked out of a garage pushing a tool that no one really knew how to describe for seven years? No, there's no way. And he was definitely not wired to create a new kind of dance workout after young moms were complaining about the class being just too hard. People who lack hustle hear too hard and they quit. I uh, once saw a Haitian taxi driver wearing a T-shirt in Fondois that said, the dream is free, but the hustle is sold separately. And this has been um, the mantra of my leadership team with Zami Fondois, is we work to create stability for Haitian families. Some days it's really hard, some months it's really hard, but it is worth the hustle to help families experience their dreams come true. The final major difference between Joseph and our four entrepreneurs is that Joseph had no heart. He had no purpose. Dr. Arthur Brooks is a professor at Harvard Business School, and he teaches the most popular class on Harvard's campus. It's not what you would guess it would be. It's not a how to get rich quick type of class. It's a class on how to find happiness. Every year, students pack into the lecture hall to find out the necessary ingredients to achieve happiness. What the students find out is happiness is not so easy to achieve. Dr. Brooks says that you can define happiness in terms of three macronutrients: enjoyment, satisfaction, and purpose. To explain happiness, Dr. to experience happiness, Dr. Brooks says you need all three in balance and abundance. When Joseph was strutting his stuff and his coat, he may have had enjoyment and satisfaction, but he did not have purpose. He lacked heart. Having nice things doesn't make us happy. It may give us pleasure in the moment, but it does not produce lasting happiness. Dr. Brooks states that without purpose, we are utterly lost. Every one of our entrepreneurs was driven by heart in serving a need. Whether it was helping people stay fit, providing a system where you can access documents from anywhere, helping people have the vacation of their dreams for cheap, or creating a tool that can be used for lots of things while putting it in your pocket. Every person tried to serve some need they saw in the world where ideas were motivated by purpose. Having heart gives you motivation to continue when things get hard. Now, the irony to this story is that Joseph's brothers provided the very thing that he needed, They hated Joseph for his dreams. So when they saw him coming one day, they said to one another, here comes the dreamer. As they plotted to get rid of him, they said, let's see what happens to his dreams now. And boy, did they discover what would happen to his dreams up close and personal When they sold this arrogant brother to a life of slavery, they created an opportunity for Joseph to find humility as a wronged, prosecuted slave who ended up in prison. They helped him find hustle. In both Potiphar's house and in prison, he learned how to earn the trust of his masters by his diligence. And they gave him heart as he eventually helped save nations suffering from famine and starvation. Joseph's dreams would one day come true decades later when his brothers came before him in a time of famine and begged him for food. But by that time, Joseph wasn't concerned anymore with his own glory. A change, Joseph said, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph discovered happiness through preserving a nation and even by saving his family. So is there a dream that God has laid on your heart? a hope, or a desire that you've always wanted to live into. Remember, dreams are good things. Dreams give us us motivation to do what we enjoy while making sacrifices and working through the suffering to experience satisfaction by living out our purpose. Have you ever considered the possibility that God's dream for your life is so much bigger than you could ever know? Hold on to your dreams. Don't let them die. But remember, dreams must be paired with humility, hustle, and heart in order that they can become reality. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the ways that you help us explore our dreams. God, we pray that in times when we feel frustrated, that you would remind us that you are with us. God, we pray that you would instill in us humility, that God, we would remember that all we do is to serve you and your kingdom. God, help us be able to remember to not give up, that when things seem difficult, that you will help us find a way. And God, we pray that you would continue to give us heart, that in what we do, we do to serve you and your kingdom and the needs that they may have. And so, God, we continue to pray that you would be with us each and every day as we walk and do the talk of your work. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.